When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com evening and welcome to the second annual Dougie Awards. It's the biggest event in Ontario politics that involves neither third-party dark money nor off-record in-jokey videos meant to build rapport between elected officials and the press gallery. This year's awards promise to be extra special because all award shows are special now as we grasp the simulacra of normalcy. It's great to be here with you, Jonathan, to once again celebrate the weirdest and wildest of Ontario Premier Doug Ford. The pandemic has been hard on award shows of all shapes and sizes, but luckily the Duggies have always been a virtual, audience-free affair. Last time, we honored Dougie winners with a special sticker, one of Doug Ford's favorite products, that they could display in their lapels, like the Order of Ontario, except awarded by merit and only marginally less real. This year, Dougie Award winners will receive a very special Vanity Ontario license plate with their names on it. Unfortunately, the license plates become invisible to the naked eye as soon as light hits them. With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now. Gravy train us. I'm Allison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park Today, and you can't see it, but I am wearing an absolutely gorgeous custom ball gown for this recording. And I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at Candleland, and I'm in a tuxedo underneath a blanket that would otherwise be on the floor with a cat resting atop. I, I did wash it beforehand. The blanket, that is, not the, the tux or, or the cat. This is Wag the Doug, a monthly podcast about Doug Ford. 
This evening, we will be honoring Doug Ford and members of his cadre for the work they have done for the province of Ontario over the past year. At the Duckies, it's not about winning so much as redefining what it means to lose. Let's get the show started. And the first category is Most Surreal Moment. My nominee for Most Surreal Moment is the odd overlap and blurring of the lines with The Simpsons that occurred uh, upon uh, the discovery of then-Finance Minister Rod Phillips' trip to St. Bart's and his hilarious and wonderful attempts to cover up the fact he was there. His, you know, transcendent level of arrogant deceit was really best encompassed by his use of Queen's Park as a Zoom background. (laughs) Now, it was the exterior of Queen's Park. It wasn't meant to be taken literally, but in this meeting with various stakeholders over Zoom, he had Queen's Park as his background, and yet in the background of this meeting, there was a very distinct sound of waves, of what very much sounded like an ocean tide. We don't know for sure that it was, in fact, St. Bart's, but it probably was. And that, even more than his leaving, even more than his silly tweets, was really reminiscent of the Simpsons episode, Margin Chains. And now for an emergency announcement from the mayor. People of Springfield, because of the epidemic, I have canceled my vacation to the Bahamas. When Mayor Quimby delivers a broadcast uh, against a a fake backdrop of the mayor's office, but is rudely interrupted by the sound of steel drums. I shall not leave the city. Hey, you! Get that steel drum out of the uh, mayor's office. Sorry, man. It was pretty funny how, how Mayor Quimby's wearing a suit on the top of that video, just like Rod Phillips was wearing a sweater uh, on the top of his Zoom one. But my nominee is the Cooking with Doug video. This is the premier's infamous foray into cheesecake baking from last spring. In this much-viewed social media video, Premier Doug Ford dons a We're All In This Together t-shirt and, unusually, a pair of bright blue surgical gloves to prepare the famous Premier's Cheesecake. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to make the famous Premier's Cheesecake. The decidedly basic recipe features 1950s-era ingredients such as Dream Whip powder and canned cherry pie filling. Doug says he learned it from his mother, who learned it from her sister, Ford's Aunt Wendy. Wendy. If I wasn't premier, I'd open up a cheesecake factory. When Ford first released the Cooking with Doug video in May, it received a mostly positive response. The premier looked pretty clumsy in the kitchen, but there was something endearing about his effort to guide us in home cooking. However, when the PCs re-released the video this Christmas, the public seemed a lot less excited to see it again. I knew there was another video. I didn't realize they re-released the same video. And the Dougie goes to... Cooking with Doug. Congratulations, Mr. Ford. Sadly, he is not here to accept it due to the pandemic whose effects he himself exacerbated. And the next category, which Stephen Lecce won in a lock last time, is Best Sycophant. Alison, what is your nominee for Best Sycophant? The first nominee is Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams. 
Throughout the pandemic, Dr. Williams has defended the government's mixed messaging on lockdowns and never broken step with the Premier or the PCs, even when their public health messaging was contradictory or clearly not working to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Here's Dr. David Williams last November musing on whether or not a not lockdown is necessary. What would the lockdown consist of? Does it consist of closing certain aspects, all aspects? Does it include closing schools, yes or no? Uh, what do you do with long-term care visitation? We have these balances to make there because there's other consequences of the lock lockdown that you have to deal with. As recently as last week, Dr. Williams defended the government's move to not start the latest lockdown until Boxing Day, rather than the week ahead of Christmas, which lots of experts deemed a disaster. No matter what the PCs do, Dr. Williams is there to say it's the best choice. And in turn, Ford continually defends the top doc, even when the head of the Registered Practical Nurses Association and Passwag the Doug guest, Dr. David Fisman, called for his resignation. My nominee for best sycophant is Doug Ford himself. Now, to whom, you may ask, is Doug Ford sycophantic? Well, there are several possible answers to that question. Any number of business lobbies, any number of friends, pals, lobbyists, what have you. However, I would choose his sycophancy toward Donald Trump. The fact that, and it's really been very quickly and weirdly forgotten, that as recently as this past February, Doug Ford was in Washington, D.C., saying that he basically sincerely hoped Trump would win his re-election. There was no need for him to weigh into politics, the partisan politics in this speech. He chose to do so anyway. Let's see what happens in this election, he said, according to the Canadian press. But right now, again, the economy is booming here, is booming in Ontario. We hope the election is going to turn out the right way. Literally, the right way. Back in fall 2016, during the, election, the U.S. election that year, Doug Ford was pretty enthusiastic about Donald Trump. It was weird and uncomfortable, but not surprising that he'd be in for Donald Trump. By this past February, given every single thing that had occurred in the past several years, it's genuinely remarkable, it's genuinely stunning, and it's genuinely frightening that he would still have gone out of his way to profess a fondness for, and effectively an endorsement of, U.S. President Donald Trump. And the ducky goes to... Dr. David Williams, the Gary Walsh to Doug Ford's Selena Meyer. Hopefully you can pick up this award if Doug Ford will let you. Next up, a very fun category, Best Booting. My nominee is another thing from last February, February 2020, that we've kind of forgotten about. That would be the spectacular live on national television shit show that was the attempted forced removal of CBC Queen's Park reporter Mike Crawley during a live hit he was doing outside the Ontario PC Policy Convention in Niagara Falls. For about four straight minutes live on CBC's Power and Politics, a security guard tried to interrupt Crawley's live hit outside the convention, from which the PCs had booted reporters, or basically said reporters could not come in, hence doing it outside, and then this wonderful, delightful, unforced air of a security guard not knowing enough to don't bug a reporter holding a microphone, standing in front of a camera, because you'll be all over the country not helping your employers or your clients look especially good on national television. Sorry, so, you gotta go, you can't be here. 
Excuse me. Okay, go. Ahead. Sorry, I'm on. Excuse me. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Um, sorry, Vashi. There's a, a security trying to stop us from uh, doing this report kind of thing. Street. Yeah. So uh, the Ontario PC Party is trying to um, uh, has sent people out here to try to chase this away. It's the my nominee Party is ex-finance minister Rod Phillips. This is Mr. Phillips' second nomination of the evening. As our listeners already know, Phillips was booted from his finance minister post over the winter holiday after the public learned he was vacationing on the Caribbean island of St. Bartholomew, also known as St. Bart's. It revealed a lack of discipline among the highest ranks of Doug Ford's cabinet. It also forced the premier to appoint his third finance minister in just 2.5 years and briefly linked Ontario politics to the world of celebrity culture when it was also revealed that people like Chrissy Teigen and Sir Paul McCartney had also been vacationing on the island at the same time as Phillips. And the Dougie goes to... The security guard outside the Ontario PC convention, which was one of the final events you could go to before the whole world locked down. The next award is our once again perennial favorite, Most Harmful Policy. Allison, who or what is your nominee for Most Harmful Policy? My nomination goes to the PC Party's failure to protect tenants throughout the pandemic. We talked about this quite a bit on our last episode. Long story short, the PCs passed a bill last summer that made it easier for landlords to kick out tenants who were on repayment plans during the height of the pandemic, even though Doug Ford had told Ontarians that no one would lose their homes. There's been a minor update since then. Last week, the PCs enacted a moratorium against eviction sheriffs kicking people out of their homes. However, the Landlord and Tenant Board is still holding eviction hearings and giving out evictions orders. If you remember, one of the tenant activists we spoke to in the last episode told us that the use of eviction sheriffs is actually pretty rare. Usually tenants that have been evicted leave at their own behest or because their landlord is pressuring them to. With that in mind, I'm not sure the new moratorium is going to do anything to protect tenants or keep people in their homes. And ultimately, the Ford government has failed in keeping people that lost their jobs when they shut down the economy from being evicted. My nominee for Most Harmful Policy was the virtual elimination of proactive inspections of long-term care homes in favor of a shift to a complaint-based approach. Now, this actually occurred in 2018. Theoretically, before the scope of the eligibility period for these awards. But we didn't know about it quite as well at the time. We didn't understand the effects then. And I feel like it makes sense to reach back a couple years to look at a decision that had reasonably predictable consequences. The elimination of proactive inspections in long-term care homes, or the virtual elimination, they sold it a handful, in favor of a shift to complaint-based approach meant that, among other things, homes were no longer being inspected for their infection control measures. Now, the problem with long-term homes, I always have to emphasize, did not begin with the PCs. You can't, it's really hard to break a system that big in just a couple of years. But there were very specific decisions that Doug Ford's government made not long after taking office, whose consequences have become very, very clear. And the winner is the government's failure to protect tenants. It was a tough competition with with the long-term care home inspections, but the latter was ruled ineligible, sadly. They were both horrible things that have harmed many, many people. On to the next award. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Next up, the award for Ford's Best Getaway, something he got away with mostly unscathed. My nominee would just simply be the gutting of viral mental regulations through the euphemism of COVID-19 economic relief. He did a whole episode on this back in September or so. He hasn't necessarily gone away with it yet, as there are a number of court challenges, as one would guess when you suddenly upend a decades-old environmental assessment system and many other associated regulations. But in terms of something that, in other contexts, would probably have gone a lot of people a lot more mad, but managed to slip under the radar... I'd be inclined to say that. What's your nominee, Allison? In a similar vein, it is the Ford government's increasingly liberal use of ministers' zoning orders, also known as MZOs. Over the past year, Municipal Affairs Minister Steve Clark has utilized dozens of so-called MZOs as basically a superpower that he can use to override development decisions that towns and cities have made. The most notable was an MZO that was signed off on for a warehouse that a forthcoming Pickering Casino wants to build on provincially protected wetland. Clark uh, agreed to this despite opposition from local town councils and environmental groups. The MZOs, which uh, before the PCs took office were incredibly rarely used, show no sign in letting up and basically provide the PCs with an easy mechanism for rewarding developers who are also their political donors. But because the backlash to most of these MZOs only happens at the local level, few people hear about them, and the PCs can get away with it, mostly unscathed. And the winner is... The PC government's use of MZOs. And our next category is Best Spin. Allison, what's the first nominee for Best Spin? The first nominee is the PC's frequent backpatting about being the first government in Ontario history to create a standalone ministry dedicated to long-term care. For those of you who, who don't watch the government's frequent news conferences, you wouldn't know that almost every time either Premier Doug Ford or long-term care minister Marilee Fullerton are asked questions about the ongoing crisis in, in nursing homes amid the COVID pandemic, one of the first responses they give to these questions and one of their main talking points is to say that they have a dedicated ministry for the file and are the first Ontario government to ever have done so. The standalone ministry has been in place since 2018, and it doesn't seem to have done much to save seniors' lives during the pandemic. So the constant claiming that the existence of a ministry or of a minister uh, is a defense against the, the bad work the ministry and minister are doing is very classic spin. I can imagine it feels pretty insulting to the family members of residents who are getting sick and dying in these homes or, or not getting proper care because the ministry hasn't figured out to properly staff these homes. Just because it exists doesn't mean it's working. My nominee for Best Spin is another one that reaches back into 2018, but whose full comic value is perhaps only being best appreciated now, was the PC government's framing of the elimination of paid sick days as a progressive move. If you go back to the original committee hearings for uh, 
for the PC's overhaul of the Employment Standards Act that, among other things, eliminated the Liberals' guarantee of two paid sick days for every employee, uh, you find that Gila Marto, who at the time was the parliamentary assistant to the Minister of Labor, repeatedly described this package as progressive. We're actually replacing it, the previous bill, with something that we think and we're hearing from many workers is more progressive because it's many days, including bereavement, sick days, and job security, because that's really what we heard from people. They were worried about job security. Even if you were to take that at face value and start counting up, like, the different types of leave they did, like, unpaid leave they created versus the stuff they got rid of, like, there, there's no way in which it is possibly an improvement. And the winner for best spin is pointing to hiving off the management of long-term care homes to its own ministry as though that is some sign of actual improvement or progress because if for no other reason, then the other entry is disqualified. Next up, a bit of lighter fare, a category we like to call best Fordism. It was a great year for Fordisms. The premier signature folksy metaphors were beamed into TVs across our fair province on a daily basis. There's almost too many to choose from. My nominee for best Fordism is almost a neo-Fordism. It's something that is not, you think of Fordisms, you think of the most pugilistic, angry, dismissive, even contemptuous uh, expressions of frustration and condescension. But a new type of Fordism emerged this year, thanks to the pandemic. In response to fairly direct questions about the rules, about things that people should or should not do, Ford insists, please, it's very simple. There's rules and there's guidelines. It's that particular arrogance of being thoroughly unclear and yet insisting it's simple and it's the other person's fault for not understanding your this thing that is absolutely clear in your mind. That, to me, is this new emergent form of Fordism. Allison, what do you nominate for the best Fordism? Well, I was trying to decide by between a few of, you know, his his silly ones that seem to grab the media's attention, calling himself an 800-pound gorilla, talking about a piece of cheese that slipped off a cracker or something like that. But my official nomination is uh, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. They must be a few fries short of a Happy Meal, these people, because I just don't, I don't get it. Last September, that was how our premier quantified people who, who defied public health rules and attended a big party. It's simple, relatable, cute, definitely encapsulates the type of attention Doug Ford had been trying to get, uh, at least during parts of this pandemic, uh, when he wanted to sound like he's in charge, but also sound like he's kind of having a good time. Um, So although a Happy Meal itself does not have a pre-determined uh, amount of fries that that, that uh, one would necessarily know that they were short of, uh, should they have purchased one. It just it has a, it has a good ring to it. The perfectly abstract nature of it is that was what makes it so wonderful. Like, how would you know when your Happy Meal is adequately fried or defried? It is brilliant. <laughs> it, 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 it is such a beautiful phrase, and I thank you for bringing it to my attention. And the Dougie goes to a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Congratulations, Doug Ford, on on winning Best Fordism. And our next award is... 
most blatant conflict of interest. The first nominee for most blatant conflict of interest goes to Charles McVetty, and the PCs moved to legislate university status to his controversial evangelical school, Canada Christian College. I don't think we've talked about this on the show yet for some reason, but McVetty has spent decades being publicly homophobic, uh, often Islamophobic, but he was also a big supporter of Doug Ford on the campaign trail. The school itself teaches that climate change isn't real, yet if the PCs have their way, it will be able to give out science degrees. Having the school become a university would personally enrich McVetty, who has used the institution to grant loans to himself and family members and to allegedly buy jet skis. The Ford government snuck the Canadian Christian College designation change into an unrelated COVID economic recovery bill, which the PC caucus all voted in favor of and passed. Although I should note that the province's independent post-secondary assessment board still has to vet the college's official application before it gets the status. So that isn't actually a done deal yet. There's uh, some other people looking at it. My nominee is the Order of Ontario Class of 2020. So of the 25 honorees from the Class of 2020, 12 of them have donated to the PCs and since 2014. A total of about $60,000. It's hard to add up for sure because Mike Harris's son is also named Mike Harris, and I don't trust Elections, Can- Elections Ontario to have accurately recorded each donation as long to the proper Mike Harris. But of these 25 people, 12 of them gave to the PCs, a total of about $60,000. Of the 25 people, uh, two gave money to any of the other parties since 2014 for a total of about $6,000. So it's not it's not even close, which is not to say that they're rewarding them for being donors. But in a few cases, there were also some people, a handful of people, where they weren't necessarily regular donors every single year over the years, and yet they happened to give a donation to the Ontario PCs within a month of them of their uh, of their award being announced. And the winner is the Order of Ontario Class of Twenty Twenty. Because we'd like to give them an award that we can be more confident that they earned. And the next category is Doug's Best Battle. My nominee for Doug's Best Battle was picking a fight with, among other people, student journalists through the the Student Choice Initiative, which uh, threw up into the air the funding for all kinds of campus activities, but not athletics. They created a list of things for which universities would have to require opt-outs from for student funding. Athletics were not among them, but pretty much everything else was, and it really threatened to decimate student unions, campus LGBTQ centers, student papers. And so the Canadian Federation of Students and others took the government to court, and they won. Pretty handily at the divisional court in late 2019. Now it's going to the Court of Appeal in March. But generally, I would pick this as the best battle because as someone who was in high school when Mike Harris was premier, you kind of remember these things. And if you're a government, you don't generally want to piss off and radicalize a whole next generation of people against you. And in this case, I would say that they've made themselves some enemies for life. My nominee for Doug's best battle is his ongoing battle with basically all the people of Ontario uh, who have mouths and noses and and lungs and the ability to 
spread and contract the coronavirus. That includes anti-maskers, COVID-idiots, people who sit in Trinity Bellwoods Park, and anyone who just won't stay home. This vague enemy um, of living, breathing folks in Ontario that, that exit their front doors was a beneficial foe for, for Doug Ford because it gave him endless opportunities to be loud and angry in front of the camera, although not particularly beneficial to Ontarians because his sounding off likely did not do much to improve public health outcomes. And the Dougie goes to... Doug Ford's battle with the people of Ontario who walk and breathe. This is going to be an ongoing fight and not one that the courts will be able to sort out. And now a new category this year, the Relax Doug Ford Will Be Fine Award. My nominee is Toronto Star Queen's Park columnist Martin Reg Cohn. Throughout the pandemic, he has sort of bucked the Toronto Star's longstanding anti-Ford leanings and stood up for Doug Ford on a number of occasions. Over the past month, he's written columns with the following headlines. One, don't blame Doug Ford for the toll that COVID-19 has taken on Ontario. He's handled the crisis better than most. Two, yes, Doug Ford could have done things differently on COVID-19, but would it have made a difference? And three, from just last week, Doug Ford's COVID-19 dissenters don't get how politics or science works. He, he concludes the column thusly, Ford could certainly have performed better, but he could surely have done far worse. A pandemic demands perspective. For all the political criticism of Ford's conduct, some justified, some judicious, some ridiculous, the premier isn't the problem. He may yet prove to be part of the solution, for better or for worse, in good times and bad. In my view, even more than the partisan hackery from Jamie Watt in The Star or Michael Taub in The Washington Post, and even more than the blinkered idiocy of actual Queen's Park columnists like Reg Cohn at The Star, I've got to give this award to Marie Hennon for her Globe op-ed, My Uncomfortable Reality, Doug Ford is the Leader Ontario Needs. In some ways, like a better written Heather Mallet column, it's a melodramatic recounting of her hard-won triumph over her own better instincts. Here's an excerpt. This is from April. I'm not alone in the bewilderment I'm feeling at saying this out loud. For days it's been nagging at me, late at night, when I was alone and trying to remember precisely what day it was while eating through another bag of Oreos, there it was in the nether recesses of mind, niggling away. At first I thought it was just a stomachache from all the junk food, but it wouldn't go away. I would be relieved when the sun rose and I could once again focus on what pair of sweatpants would serve as my business attire for the day. After a few days, though, I couldn't lie to myself any more. I was ashamed of my feelings. I considered just not saying them out loud, so they would eventually quietly go away, and no one would ever need to know about any of this. And then one day, while on a Zoom call with a friend of mine, I blurted it out. Ford is doing a damn good job. There, I had said it. Out loud. It's not so much the badness of the opinion, which was certainly shared by many at the time, it's the fact that Dick Hannon, who is, for those who don't know, a, you know, extremely successful and, yeah, who's an extremely successful criminal lawyer, who is not typically a newspaper columnist that writes occasionally, felt the need to write an entire column to seemingly absolve herself of any guilt she might feel for thinking that Doug Ford was doing a good job. Not, not in fact, trusting her instincts, which told her that, no, no, he is not, in fact, doing a good job. 
and the Dougie goes to the Toronto Star's Martin Regko for a truly impressive body of work this year, despite the fact that he really, really, really ought to know better by now. And Jonathan, now it is time for our final category of the evening, Doug Ford's Greatest Achievement. My nominee is that Doug Ford has, or in the near future will, eclipse Mike Harris as the Ontario Premier whose specific policy choices will, years from now, probably following many inquiries, be shown to have been responsible for the most needless deaths. What about you, Allison? My nominee is Doug Ford's approval rating. While it has certainly slipped since hitting record heights last spring, the PC party and Doug Ford are still more popular now than they were before the pandemic. Three polls released in December had the PCs leading the NDP and the Liberal Party by significant margins. That is a big reversal uh, from basically all the polling that had been done pre-pandemic, where the Liberals, uh, even when they didn't have a leader, were, were deemed more popular with Ontarians. Politics is all about popularity, and these numbers, combined with Ontario's uninspiring opposition parties, make it pretty damn likely that Doug Ford will be a re-elected premier in 2022. And the Dougie goes to... Doug Ford eclipsing Mike Harris as the premier to whom people will attribute the most needless deaths. The Academy has decided that being more popular than Stephen Del Duca is not considered an achievement. And that is all for this evening. Thank you so much for joining us for the second annual Dougie Awards. And congratulations to all the winners. It really was an exciting year at the Ontario Legislature. Jonathan, thank you for co-hosting with me. And I hope that your tux has not gotten too rumpled under your blanket. Uh, rumpled, perhaps not, but covered with cat hair, absolutely. And to all the nominees who won't be taking home one of our invisible custom license plates, Take heart that you too may also be responsible for at least a few needless deaths. That's grim, Jonathan. Very grim. And that was Wag the Dog, a show that is grim. I'm Jonathan Goldsby, and you can find me on Twitter at Goldsby. I'm Allison Smith, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Queen's Park Today. Our producer is Demilola Oname. Our finishing producer is Kevin Sexton, and our managing editor is Andrea Schmidt. Our theme music is by Nathan Burley. Our podcast is listener-supported. If you like what we do, support us at wagthedug.com, or click on the link in the show notes. Lisa Kudrow was fired from the set of Frasier. Charles Schultz was told he'd never make a living scribbling. Missy Elliott was dropped by her label. 
And Rita Moreno couldn't land a role of substance for seven years after West Side Story. The stories of famous names, their lesser-known rejections, and the insights those rejections provide. We regret to inform you, The Rejection Podcast. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.